What did we talk about last week? That was six days ago. Forgiveness and anger. Talked about your anger bag and different things like that, right? And I got to tell you something. I am so angry. I am so angry, even after that message last week. I didn't, we didn't get enough YouTube likes on that message. I mean, my goodness, my whole measure of success is determined by how many people like things on YouTube. And I'm angry about that. Why? I'm not really angry, but I did think about it. Why did that message not get a reaction from more people? Why did more people not respond? I get emails all through the week. Oh, thank you for that. That touched me. Thank you. I don't think I got one. I don't think I heard anything from anyone and fewer people participated in it. And even from the slide, I think, which said the freedom of forgiveness. And there were seriously not that much engagement, I don't think. Why? I know that what I talked about last week, the freedom of forgiveness, I know that that is a life changing concept for people to hear and apply. So why not? It's easy. It was Labor Day weekend. <laughs> That's not why. It's because people aren't excited to hear that kind of stuff. That's why. It's because it roughs up scabs and it brings up bad memories and it puts people in uncomfortable places. And they're not thinking about whether or not I like this or not. They're thinking about I'm not comfortable with that. I don't, I don't like that. It's not exciting. As a thought deeper about that, is any of this exciting? Should we be excited? I mean, I think we should. Sin, repentance, confronting anger, hurt, pain, taking uncomfortable action, possibly ripping off the scabs of old emotional wounds, all leading toward this time when we hear this very loud and not so pleasant sound of a ram's horn, which is supposed to wake you up and enliven you to do what? To go to Yom Kippur so you can fast for 25 hours and not even wear leather pants, I mean leather shoes. Please don't wear leather pants. Ever. <laughs> That's exciting, right? A 25-hour fast and confronting all your failures? Man, click that like button. Click it. <laughs> My goodness, who wouldn't be excited? Should we be excited about Yom Kippur? Are you excited? Are you excited about all these messages in the holidays? Probably not. And I hate to, I hate to do this. I hate to always use gym analogies, but they're always applicable. Paul did it. He talked about running races and shadow boxing and all this kind of stuff. Are you excited? Probably not, but it depends on what you want. It depends on what you want to get out of it. I mean, this sounds weird, but I get incredibly excited every morning when I go to the gym. Every morning. Because here's what I know. Every single time I go, I will be transformed there. 
On some microscopic physical level? Probably, maybe. On a, on a psychological micro level? Definitely, you know why? Because most people aren't there. Because most people won't do it. Because even on the days when I don't want to and I do, I'm ahead. I'm growing. I'm doing the hard work. And I get excited about that. It has, it has sustained me through much of my ministry career because I would go insane doing what I do if it weren't for that. And the high holidays are the same way. So the thing is, what do you want to get out of it? Because that determines the excitement level. Honestly, teshuva, repentance, getting a fresh start, clean slate, that should be our favorite thing. These days are all about what? You. That's our favorite thing to be excited about. Me. I'm going to be the better for it. Imagine, I mean, imagine your life, maybe ditching a situation that has just been a burden or your, your anger, your, your, your negative experiences in life that you've toted around in your little tidy anger bag connected to your belt. And you, can, you can get rid of it. That's what we like to do is make ourselves better. And I've talked over the last five weeks about how to succeed. So what I thought I'd do today is tell you how to fail. I thought I'd tell you how to not get anything. First off, there's this group of people. None of this is for me. My life is fine. I'm doing fine. I've reconciled all things, and I'm good. This isn't for me. Let's get to Sukkot. I like that. I can't, I can't do anything about that. I don't think it's true. If that's your opinion, I don't think it's true. Then there's, then there's the person or people who say this. Ready? All right. I've heard, the, I've heard the messages. I know the deal. Repentance. Tshuva. I get it. Why don't you just say Tshuva? Come on. I get it. But he doesn't know my life. He doesn't know anything about me. But you know what? Because he's the rabbi and he's up there telling me what to do, I guess I'll, I'll do it. Susie, you know what? I, I wanted to get together with you today because... You know, I wanted to apologize to you. It's been long enough, and knowing you, you'd probably drag this out forever, but I want to do the good thing. I want to be holy. I want to come before you and repent. So here I am to say to you, Susie, I am sorry. But I wouldn't have acted that way if you hadn't, you know, done that. And, and you know, you're very hard to deal with sometimes. But I, I want to sit here and I want to make this right. Okay, I'm real sorry. And the good news is that since I've said this to you, I'm totally off the hook. Now, knowing you, you'll probably reject it. And this won't go well, but guess what? That's on you. My rabbi said I could tell you, I'm going to let that be your problem. <laughs> so listen, if you don't want to hear any of this, which you probably don't, that's fine. That's on you. I've done my part. I'm walking out of here. I probably won't hear from you again, but blessings. And listen, Susie, one more quick thing. I love you. I'm sorry. Please don't make me do that again. <laughs> because the reality is, this is who I am. Take it or leave it. If you don't like it, I'm sorry. There.
Let me give you a quick side note on apologies. This could be marriage counseling. Let me tell you a little thing about apologies. First of all, number one, failed apology. I'm sorry, but can't do that. I'm sorry, but it's your fault, really. That's lesson one. I have a PhD in marriage and family therapy sitting in the audience, and I'm going to be bold enough to say this. Irvin, you can correct me afterwards if I'm wrong, okay? I always get nervous because I have to see if Irvin's going to say, or. <laughs> Number one lesson, this is all side note. This doesn't, it does have something to do with it. This is your apology strategy. I'm sorry, but no, can't do that. Secondly, incongruent body language with an apology. I'm, I, I, I'm sorry, okay, I'm sorry. I know, I'm, I'm sorry. Can't do that. Apologizing for your spouse's reaction. You've heard this one before. I am so sorry you feel that way. Can't do that one. <laughs> not, not acknowledging or validating your spouse's feelings, which is very, or, your, or anyone, not your spouse. I said marriage counseling, but this is everybody. Not validating the other person's feelings, which sounds a lot like, I'm sorry you feel that way. But no, when you don't say, I hear you and I understand why, I, you're right. I acted out of turn. I spoke out, acknowledging the feelings. When you don't do that, it's as if you're not even in the room. And last but not least, showing no desire to improve. There are little things like, ah, I forgot to take the trash out, sorry. Little things, okay? You forget again. Ah, that's, that's a thing. But in the big things, when you sit down and you do a genuine apology and you have absolutely no evidence that you meant it. No desire or action to, to demonstrate that. That also, it doesn't matter. Okay, anyway, those are, those are ways to fail. But there's one other way on the repentance side to fail, and that's for the forgiveness person. That's for the person who, you know, does, they're not, they haven't made anybody mad, but someone's made them real mad or hurt deeply. We talked about them last week. How do you fail in that? You have your anger bag. You say, okay, I heard the messages. Let me, let me take this thing and shake it up a little bit and I'll pick out that one. Eh, I can let that one go. And eh. ooh, not that one. That one's too big. I'm holding on to that one. Tuck it deep down in, tighten the strings, secure it to the belt. Walk off with that anger bag and say, I'm not doing that. Forget it. Okay? My friends, the process that we're talking about and have been talking about takes heart and courage and humility and, and a willingness to do what I said in the beginning, which is to look deeply at yourself, at, your, at yourself and, and how you live life and interact with people and, and, and ask, what do I want to change? And then the second most important question, what do you think it is? 
What am I willing to change? What do you want to get out of it? How to succeed, ready? That was some little funny examples of how to fail. How to succeed. Remember what we've talked about here for one thing, and I asked you what we talked about six days ago and you couldn't remember that, so you're not off to a very good start. Remember, Judaism is built on remembrance, the first religion of its kind. These are the days of remembrance. We are what we remember, for better or for worse. What you choose to remember, how do you choose to apply what you've learned? There's an interesting quote in Ecclesiastes, actually in the first chapter, verse 18, with more knowledge there is more anger. With more knowledge there is more anger. What does that mean? Well, it, it basically is inviting us to reflect on the tension between the pursuit of wisdom and the emotional challenges that come. The more you know, remember this phrase, the more you know sometimes the less I wish I knew. Because, and it's just a simple part of getting, getting older sometimes as the beard turns gray and the wisdom goes up. And, and so does the anger factor because you look around and you see the injustice and the indecency and everything. The more you know sometimes, the angrier, angrier you get that, gets to, that, that applies to the world. But it applies to this personal journey for us right now. The more knowledge, the more anger. It emphasizes that with this increased soul-searching cheshbon hanefesh, soul accounting, as we dig in and we recall and we remember the things, we become more aware of the complexities and difficulties and challenges we've had in our lives. And that is frustrating and can make you angry and can make you want to not do this, okay? But you have to do that. We're, we're, we're tapping into our, our subconscious, our remembering system, our deepest things that might really be uncomfortable. That's what Ecclesiastes 1.18 is saying in some way. Experiences in your mind. There are people who absolutely live in their past. You know them? Like they just, they, they anchored at a certain point in life and they never moved past it. And these are people that a lot of times you'll say something to them relatively innocent and it's like a bottle rocket, like an M80 explodes. You have no idea what you said, but what did you do? You triggered something that was deep in there, something that's never been dealt with. You didn't know. But they knew, and being exposed to what you said, it just, just created this minor thing, creates this major explosion. The subconscious never forgets. We can't get around that. But we can deal with things if we're willing to. What do you want to get out of it? What's the key? Well, we can find the power to change in the words of our Messiah. And it sort of, this informs our steps over the next week as we close the journey through the month of Elul and into the High Holidays. Two verses, Matthew 11, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come to me. Matthew 18, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Wow, those, that's, a, that's another message about how we deal with it when he says that, because I thought we were, nothing we could do. Come to me 
can change. I'm, I'm putting those two together, but come to me and change. You will find rest and enter the kingdom of heaven. Why the child stuff? Why, does, why is the child comparison there? Unless you become like little children. Children have a very short memory sometimes when it comes to relationships, don't they? Give me that. You stole my track. A minute later, do you want to play with my track? They don't hold grudges the same way. They don't judge the same way. They desire to be in community and in relationship with people. They love to be loved and they love to love. Is there any better example that Yeshua could provide for us than to say, you know what guys, I know you're big and set in your ways and thick-headed, but be like a child sometimes. Just, 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 just settle down. And those words are very powerful. Come to me and change. But what he doesn't say is, come to me and I will make you like a little child who loves people and never does anything wrong. He says, come to me and change. And unless you become like, what does that imply? That implies that you have a choice in the matter. You can choose to not do that. So all, all, everything, every word I said, all of these things have to do with a choice. Come to me and change. Isaiah 55, 6, this is the key wording of the high holiday. The whole message is built on seek him while he can be found. And this is a special time for that. So what do you want out of it? Because I know that things have been done to you or you've done things to others. You have that power to conclude this thing by making a decision to change. That is your choice. We are what we remember for better or for worse. The power to change is actually a truly supernatural act of God. He made us with this desire and this ability. He gave you the ability but it begins with that very tangible choice and declaration to say, I want to change. Success is found in this phrase. I'm willing to change. And that really is one of the greatest blessings of our species. Adaptability. Not driven solely by instinct and flesh and desire but instead by heart and relation. The ability to change, to become someone different by the power to change, and no one will do that for you. Even our blessed Messiah. He, he can empower you and, and fill you with a spirit that leads you and guides you in all understanding. But ultimately, there is this thing called free will, right? You get to choose. You get to even choose whether you want Him. That's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. But listen, there are two, technical, there are two kinds of problems in life. I mentioned this before. It's something that Rabbi Sachs has talked about frequently. There are two kinds of problems. There are technical problems and there are adaptive problems. Technical problems are... 
I have some type of infection or something is wrong with me. I go to the doctor. He says, this is the solution. You're going to take this pill, have this shot or have this surgery. And in all likelihood, theoretically, right, Blake, this is going to fix the problem. So you take the antibiotic or the shot or the thing, whatever, and it's fixed. It's a technical problem. There's a solution. What's an adaptive problem? You go to the doctor and he says, well, you know what? Listen, I can give you the medicine, but you're, I mean, you're, you're incredibly out of health. Your, your, your mental state, your physical state, your 85 pounds overweight, your blood pressure is through the roof. I mean, you have to make some changes in your life. This is not going to fix it. That's an adaptive change. What does that mean? We adapt to our circumstances and make a new and better way. Adaptive problems that we're talking about right here, these are adaptive problems. They require tshuva. There is no solution for this outside of you deciding to do something about it. That's an adaptive change. What do you want out of it? All too often we tell ourselves we can't change. We're too old. We're too set in our ways. I don't want to do that. And it's too much trouble, whatever. And when we do that, we deprive ourselves. This is a Jonathan Sachs quote. When we do that, when we refuse or reject change, we deprive ourselves of God's greatest gift to us, which is the ability to change. That was one of Judaism's, is one of Judaism's great gifts to Western society. It's God's call to us this season. This is the time when we ask ourselves, where have we gone wrong? Where have we failed? When we tell ourselves the answer and that we need the courage to change. If we believe we can't, listen, if you believe you can't change, you won't. If you believe you can, you may. Do you need to? Do you want to? Are you willing to? So I told you how to fail, told you how to succeed. Be willing, be honest, okay? Be, be, be willing to, to, to not dismiss these things as technical problems, somebody else, something with an easy problem. Be willing, according to our Master Yeshua, to come to him, release the heavy burden, and be changed and become like a child. Now listen, that's where I could end it, okay? That's it. The choice is yours. Go do something with it. Happy holidays. But I decided that's not enough because like most of what I do, it's just words. It's just words that for most of you, this is, not a, this is no offense to you. Because honestly, a lot of times I can't remember what I talked about six days ago or yesterday. It's no offense, but for most of the things that I say, they go in one ear and out the other. That's just the nature of this business. I get it. So it's not enough for me to stand up here for 25 minutes and tell you what to do and why well, change and change technical sign. I mean, because you'll be here and it'd be gone. So listen, I, I asked, I was talking with someone this week in the synagogue and, and it, 
he said, anger bag, forgiveness, all that. I get it. I understand. But I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to do that. All right. So here we go. First off, let's talk about your inventory real quick. Have you taken inventory? Have you addressed the things between you and God? This is another message. I haven't decided what very short snippet message I want to give you on Erev Rosh Hashanah this Friday. This is one of them. Have you addressed things between you and God? First of all, week one, week two, made some decisions in your life that you're putting down some things. You stopped sinning. You regretted the sin. You committed not to do the sin again. You've confessed. Have you done that? Good. That's one. Two, have you addressed what can be addressed between you and other people? Have you not the Susie apology? Have you considered and made a genuine, genuine uh, attempt have you said, I'm sorry, where I'm sorry needs to be said? Have you said, thank you, where maybe thank you had never been said before? Have you acknowledged? Have you, have you done those things we talked about? Have you restored balance where balance can be restored? And if you haven't listened to the last four messages, you need to hear them to understand what that means. Have you done that? Good. Good. Check mark. Week two. Third. Have you addressed what resides within you that can be addressed? Have you taken a look? Have you, have you considered the freedom of forgiveness? Have you taken any steps toward emptying, emptying, releasing those things that have hurt you so badly or that you held on? Or even if they didn't hurt you that bad, they just hurt you. Have you done anything to do that? That are the burden that you're carrying around, even with those people who can never make it right for you. Have you done that for yourself? Have you given you the, yourself the gift? Great. That's part three. Good. But I'm going to help you. If you've done those things, fantastic. I'm going to help you, though. I'm going, to make it, I'm going to make it more real. You see, starting tonight is something that happens in the synagogue or wherever. It's called slichot. Slichot are sincere prayers of repentance. And so on the Saturday night before Rosh Hashanah, I won't get into some. It's not always. I'm not going to get into that. On the Saturday night before Rosh Hashanah, you come together late in the evening, midnight, and you start a week of intense prayers of repentance and forgiveness in this holy space. Why do we do that? Because as we go into the high holidays, we have already been incredibly intentional in that process of slichot, which means forgive. Okay, so those start tonight. Slichot. On Sunday the second day of Rosh Hashanah this year, because you don't do it on, on, on the Shabbat, is another thing that's called Tashlich. We do Tashlich every year. It's from Micah. And you go to a body of water, and normally you take breadcrumbs or something which, which represent your sins, and you say prayers, and you, you cast those breadcrumbs into the water, and the water carries them away. I like to do it with rocks. Stones. That's going to happen on Sunday. And, you know, that it's, it's a symbolic casting away of sins by throwing those things away. It's not actually, neither of these things are explicitly mentioned in the Bible. They're traditions that have developed through the, 
through the centuries in Judaism. But Tashlik in particular draws from the, I told you, Micah 7, who is a God like you who pardons sin and forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. You will again have compassion on us. You will tread our sins underfoot and hurl all our iniquities into the sea. And the water represents a, a renewal, right? So the passage there emphasizes God's mercy and forgiveness and faithfulness to you despite your shortcomings and his willingness to not remember. But as we've discussed, the whole thing actually begins with remembering. We talked about going back down the, the old road and the banners and considering all these things. So it's a strange contrast you have to remember in order to not remember. You have to come to terms with these things. Okay? So here's the combination that I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do for you. That's called a Ziploc bag. The assignment that I want you to do, which combines the concept of slichot over the next week and what we will do on Sunday, usually when we go to Tashlik, we take a few minutes before we go to the body of water and we walk around, we have some consideration about things and then we read and sing some songs and we throw our stuff in and we leave. We're not doing it that way this, this year. I want to invite you, not tell you, I want to invite you to make this week prior to Rosh Hashanah more meaningful. By going around, you can keep this in your car or your purse, whatever. And I want you to take some intentional time to go around and collect the stones that you will use at Tashlik on Sunday. And with each one of them, I want you to take the time to put something on it, not weird mystical transference. I want you to say it out loud. This represents what they did to me. And this, this, and I'm going to think about it and I'm going to say it. And this represents the hurt that I inflicted on someone else. And this, this represents the sadness that I feel that I've never been able to let go of in my life. And this, this represents the anger that I continue to carry around in my stupid little bag because I think it protects me. And it doesn't. And it doesn't help you. And then, I want you to bring it into the high holidays. And I want you to bring it to the river at Amerson. And I want you to go by the side of the water. I'm inviting you to do this. 
And you don't have to say a word because you already said it. When you picked them up and you collected them and you gathered these and you said, this means this to me. And I want you to cast it into the water. I want you to let go. And as they say, let God. Because that's what it's about. And yeah, we're not supposed to carry things on the Shabbat and the holidays and all that other kind of stuff, but guess what? I think God's going to forgive you. And here's the choice. You can do what I said, and you can say, you know what? Yeah, that one I can let go. And that one, mm, yeah, that one, I can, I can cast that one off, but... I just can't. Okay, fine. You got started. You did something. It's like going to the gym when no one else will. You did something. Your bag is lighter. My hope is that when you're done, that that's your bag. And you can also throw your bag away because here's the thing. When you empty it out this year, you will have the opportunity probably by the end of that day to pick up another rock and put it in. And we just don't need to do that. So I want you to do this if you're up for the task. You need to be intentional about it. You've got to think about it. You've got to hear the words I'm saying to you right now. And you need to make a plan and you need to do it. Take some time every day from now till Friday on your own, you, your bag, your stones, your God, and make it real. And when we're done at Amerson River Park, maybe you'll want a nicer bag. I don't want this stupid thing anymore when I'm done with it, when I empty it. So I use a dumb little Ziploc bag, and when I'm done at Amerson Park and I fold it up, it's going to go in the trash can. And God willing, that's the end of my hanging on to anger and to hurt. As I told you last week, you can't help but get angry. But what you do with the anger, don't put it in there. You understand the assignment? I just tripped over my sin. That happens. <laughs> It'll trip you up. And then we'll turn. What we're going to do is we're going to just turn the tables on remembering. Isaiah 43. I am the one who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. Hebrews 8. I will be merciful toward their wrongdoings and their sins I will no longer remember. Hebrews 10. And their sins and their wrongdoings I will no longer remember. Psalm 103. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed wrongdoings from us. Micah 7. He will have compassion on us. He will vanquish our wrongdoings and you will cast all their sins into the depths. And that bag, my friend, is empty. Or you don't have to. It's your choice. This is the way that God showed me that I could help you make it real. But you don't have to. It's your choice. I can't. 
I can't make you engage. God can't even make you engage. This can be just another message for just another Rosh Hashanah and just another holiday in just another year. Or you can invest like Moses, who was on the mountain right now, receiving the second tablets and about to come down and say, guys, we're forgiven. Let's go forward. So, Believe in the power of the season. Believe in your own ability to come and change. And the words of the Messiah, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. My friends, the days of awe begin Friday night with Rosh Hashanah. Yamim Noraim. The days of awe. Let's go forward. Shabbat Shalom.